And welcome back to the For Film Sake Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Rashida, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about Blue Valentine. Hey. But before we do any of that, you know the drill. Ketchup, condiments, the whole bit. You already know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? Oh, pretty good. It's like we were here just last week, but it felt like two weeks has passed. Like, it feels like a lot of time has passed since the last time we were on this month. Oh, yeah. We are recording a day late. Yeah, I guess it was like yeah. one day, but yeah, it just feels like a little while. I don't I, know. I, I feel that. Yeah, I feel yeah. that. Also, like, exciting shit happened. Nice. During that time, during that week, we're now on Spotify. Yes, we're on freaking um, Spotify. Which I didn't expect to happen. Yeah, I just well, got a text from Christopher, and it was just <laughs> like, hey, we're on Spotify now. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, no big fucking deal. We're yeah. just on Spotify. Hell yeah. I actually asked, was like, wait, which which one of us is on Spotify? No, we. <laughs> 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 we are on Spotify. Um, so you can find us now on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Uh, literally everyone has Spotify. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's oh, a yeah. step in the right direction. That's pretty awesome. We're on Spotify now. Yes. We're enjoying it. Oh, yeah. I listen to the podcast on Spotify. You hear how good it sounds on Spotify? That was like, how no, nice I did. it looks? Well, I think that's me. I'm the oh. one that does the engineering. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm not yeah. going to get Spotify credit for that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking all of that. All right, there we go. All right. <laughs> but it sounds fucking fantastic. I, I fucking listened to an episode of us and I was just mm-hmm. like, holy shit, that's my voice coming out of fucking Spotify. Yes. That's a weird feeling. It's very nice. It's a lonely, great feeling. I like the yeah. um like how it links things up. We had a uh, Blair Nice a comedian on a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And if you click on her episode, then it automatically goes to other podcasts she's been on. Oh, it's really? just oh yeah, like um there's a, a podcast called The Black Guy Who Tips. Mm-hmm. He's one of the biggest podcasts in Charlotte. And it was just like, whoa, she's been on that podcast too. Oh, she's been on that podcast. It links all these things oh, together. Sure. It's really nice. That's awesome. Like, a, like got a nice little network going. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's super exciting. So if you want to listen to us now mm-hmm. without any hassle of subscribing to iTunes mm-hmm. or Stitcher or yep. Google Play Music, mm-hmm. we're on Spotify. Yep. You have no excuses. We're on Spotify. Yes. Uh, so that's fucking exciting. Hell yeah. Uh, thanks for making that happen. Man, I, I didn't I, like. I didn't think it was going to happen like that no. quickly either. You well, know? I was gonna because I we use Pippa we use Pippa yeah. for the podcasting hoat and they have mm-hmm. a plan where they put your podcast on Spotify. Yep. So I was waiting to upgrade yeah. to that yeah. in like a month. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh no, we're already in Spotify. She's yeah. like, all right, all right, I guess we I'm are. saving myself like nine months, nine bucks. We are here. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that's awesome. We're in Spotify. Check it, was, it out. Yeah. Um exciting moment Very um, much. for us. Hell yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, anything? Uh, how you been? What's what you been up to? Um, a whole bunch of work. Just a whole bunch of back and forth. Wake up, go to sleep. Repetitive, um, life, life, stuff like just that. Life in general. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. A, b- a bunch of repetition <laughs> over and over. You know, I I've been kind of the same way. Like I'm unemployed right mm-hmm. now. I'm in the process of looking for jobs. You're doing the freelance while you were uh, doing that. Yeah, doing the freelance. Yeah. I, I fucking hate freelance. Uh, like the culture of freelance is just the fucking worst. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that aside. I've been doing the freelance thing, but I'm unemployed, so generally I find myself with odd amounts of time, yeah. like awkward amounts of times. Like, like I'll be busy for three days, okay. and then I just won't have anything to do on that fourth and fifth day. Yeah, and I'm just like I, I don't know what this is. You gotta, you gotta jack that dick, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you pass the time? Oh yes. Just fucking pumping me. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> what? I, I yeah, I do that too. Yeah. That takes like what an hour yeah, of my yeah, day, yeah, maybe, yeah. 
30, 45 d- minutes. D- depends on like how, like I've really, I've been getting into it pretty recently. Like on the weekends, <laughs> like I'll just take some time and get into it. You know, <laughs> just like, like enjoy it, like, like make an evening out of it. I watched like a 45 minute porn. Like really? time I've done that in like years and years. That's I watched hilarious. from the beginning to the end. No skippity skip. Didn't skip nothing. Huh, Didn't skip nothing. Yeah. Just just, you- <laughs> just slowly massage myself, you know, for, for a good like 45 minutes and you know, it was all right. Must have been a great plot. <laughs> <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> but yeah, you got a lot, a lot of downtime. Yeah, a lot, yeah I got I got a f- wait. I got like a lot of downtime. I've been like playing games here where I can, yeah. getting some things written when I can. Yeah. Helping Jonathan with his new short film, nice. Fish Out of Walter. Hell yeah. Uh, that's been really fucking cool. I've been talking to a lot of um, like a lot of people that do stuff that we've never worked with before. Like we yeah. need to have a special effects guy right Ooh, now. Okay. And he's getting a he's renting a camera, like a red camera from mm. like this local company in Charlotte. Okay. So like everything is like the production has gotta be like Oh, we're we are friends doing this, but also there are people that like we're paying to do mm, this. Yeah. So it, it, there's a little bit more pressure in getting things exactly yeah. the way that we want them to. Yeah. Uh, but that's been really good. Like talking to a special effects guy, mm. and then just going like, "Listen, man, I have no idea how this fucking works. Yeah, and this is your territory." Mm. And so like, I got that appointment on Wednesday to nice. like try to figure that out. You know, producing, making casting calls yeah. a little bit. And uh, been learning about color grading mm. um, for some reason. I mean, that's I, your shit. It's color grading. Like that's one of the first things we uh, we hit it off on. I think you're right. Yeah. You remember we, uh, the first very first thing on um, uh, shoot medicine ball, uh, yeah. and we all had to we ha- had ideas on about what uh, we wanted to shoot. You were like, I have an idea, but mostly it's a color grading, and <laughs> you know it was the very first thing <laughs> we met each other. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I like color grading. Hell yeah, that's man. fucking fun. Yeah. Turns out I know nothing about color grading. All right. That's what I've learned yeah. this past week. Like mm. my workflow was just like, eh, yeah, you would have gotten it done, mm. right? But it would have taken you like five hours longer. Mm. Yeah. I and that. I started watching a couple of videos and I was just like, wow, I don't know anything. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know a goddamn thing. That's a about- wise man that knows that he knows nothing at all. It's a wise <laughs> it's man. Just, like I, I was using like 17 nodes mm. and like way too many effects. You just mm. do it in like three or five. Nice. Just fucking get it done. And, I, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sitting there looking like a twat taking notes, just going like, "Wow, my last color grade must have been disgusting yeah. compared to this." Yeah. Um, but it's all in the in the name of self improvement. Yeah, very I much, reckon. yeah. Very much. Um, but I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, been hanging around, hanging out with my girlfriend a lot. Very cool. Shout out to you, Annie. Hey, it's hey. been going fantastic. Nice. Uh, beat Spider Man. Yeah, oh, finally. Nice. I, I didn't even beat Damn Spider Man. Um, fucking good. Okay. It's good. It's great. All right. Um, love that shit. Yeah. Um, now I'm just kind of like playing around getting some costumes for yeah. a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I just kind of like been playing a little bit more poker. Like mm-hmm. I've had time to like be stressed out and then decompress and then just enjoy the periods of unemployment. Yeah. And now I'm looking for jobs again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the downtime is just like eating away at you, I guess, after a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah after a little while. Yeah. Um, but that's that. kind of what I've been up to. And I watched How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah, how was that? Um, fucking fantastic. I bet. I love that franchise in general. I think it's one of like, like it's nothing like spectacular, but right. I think it's one of like the best like children movies. It's out there. charming, like it's endearing. Yeah. Like I, I've, I only seen the very first one, but I mean mm-hmm. I really like that. It, so um, good. it doesn't have the guy from uh, he used to be a late night talk show host, uh, Craig Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, that's who I recognized yep. the voice from. Yep. I was trying so hard to figure out who <laughs> yeah. the fuck it was. I love it. It was Craig Ferguson. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that movie was fucking fantastic, nice. charming, gorgeously animated. Yeah. I mean, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the voice acting is really good. Yep. The animation looks really good. Mm-hmm. The story is a bit simplistic, but like 
You don't need a lot for that movie. Okay. The movie just looks, it's easy to digest. Nice. And uh, had a great time watching it. Absolutely nice. recommended. Um, I think it's like one of the first good movies that I've seen in the beginning of the year. Yeah. <laughs> or like that I've seen come out. Yeah, in 2019, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, enjoy the shit out of that. Hell it's yeah. really good. Recommended. There was a, uh, did you see that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, they got their Oscar? They got their Oscar? I'll, fucking Man, I love If they that. hadn't got their Oscar, I would have fucking burnt something. I, I would have too. It's like, it would have yeah. been par for the course of things that deserve Oscars that don't get it. I would have just been like, whatever, you know, you don't right. need it anyway. But I do like when when things that are so great get the appreciation that they deserve, like on a wide scale, because we're going to get to see more of, of these animated films. Absolutely. If only for the reason that these people realize that money can be made off of it. Yes. <laughs> you know? But we get to enjoy it. But we, exactly. But we yeah. get to enjoy it now. So I love that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won that. Another thing that I loved was uh, someone that we've been talking about for different reasons since the beginning of the podcast, Olivia Coleman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, there was something that, you, there was a British show that you were watching, something like The uh, Boat. Broad, uh, it was, she had a couple. Love she House, was, some she house was in Broadchurch. Broadchurch. That's Broad what you're, yeah. yeah. You were watching Broadchurch and I was watching a show called Peep Show. Yeah. And we were both in love with her She's as an so actress. She's so good. She's, She's really one good. of the best actresses around. She is. And she got recognized for the favorite and won an Oscar. Really? Best yes. supporting? Best uh, best uh, supporting actress, yes. Fuck yeah, man. Yes. It was the best actress. I know, yeah, it was uh, Regina Hall, or Regina King. She won best supporting for If Bill Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman won best actress for um for favorite. the favorite. Ah, fuck yeah. Does she play the queen in the favorite? Yeah, man. Ah, she's so good. <laughs> she did that. I'm thing. really glad that she got that because she deserves that. Yes. Through and through. You know, it's like from the beginning, like from the beginning of the podcast, like talking about those two shows, mm-hmm. and then she shows up in Yorgos Lanthimos in um in the lobster that we've seen. We've just been harping so on her. I just love that she's getting the recognition. And then lastly, uh Alfonso Caron has never been done someone that's won best director and best cinematography. Oh, really? Never been done. Because he did cinematography and directing. Yeah, man. Like, Um, that's some brilliant masterpiece work right there. Dude, Alfonso Cuadron is one of the, like, one of the best like working directors right yes now. if not if not, if the, not the yeah, best. yeah he's he's definitely up yeah. there i was like I, I was i was blown away by seeing it and i'm just happy that is he's being celebrated and recognized too i mean that's that's awesome they deserve it did you know fun fact i listened to yorgos lanthimos in the mark Marin podcast yeah and he was saying that he actually the production of the favorite mm-hmm. got delayed significantly because i mean they had the script for like eight years oh sheesh and they worked the script and they kept working it but they wanted to get all the cast together Mm. and he couldn't think of anybody else than olivia coleman to play the part that she did yeah so part of that waiting time was specifically waiting for olivia to have a clear schedule to work on the film so i guess it fucking paid off definitely did. (laughs) like they they got the right one for that yeah and and fucking i watched a little bit of roma Mm. the other day yeah it just looks like magic it looks like magic yeah so beautiful. It so is. I'm glad that they got the, the they got the recognition that they yeah. needed. Oh yeah. Because I, I was I had the feeling that if like best director or best cinematography yeah. wasn't Roma, mm. and then um, Spider Man wasn't best animated, mm-hmm. like there was gonna be like some form of digital riot. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was gonna be just <laughs> craziness. Like best picture went to Green Book, a movie that was what was wild is when it came out. I was saying Tesla said she's not gonna see it because it seems like Oscar bait, and I'm like I'm not about to watch some Oscar bait bullshit. Yeah. And then it turns out to be exactly that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, but it did win all the awards, and I couldn't say anything about it in the top ten. None of us could because none of us seen the movie. Because right. is it really relevant to us right now? Like, well, it, it just fell into that that landmark like this is a situation that's relevant mm. and this is the easiest way to capitalize on that Super situation contrived. that's relevant yeah. mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like do we do we really need the story of like another white guy rescuing another black guy from it's, something it's contrived you know? relevancy i mean it's like I'm, I'm not i wasn't down for it but it's like i still wish i would have seen it because apparently it does a lot of things well mm-hmm. i don't know what the narrative is super much but um yeah it won a lot 
But uh, besides besides that, I didn't spend my time uh, watching most of the Oscars, but I did want to see the key things yeah. <laughs> that happened. But um, Star Trek Discovery, I've been doing. Oh yeah, how was that? I love this thing so much. This might be well, it has the biggest budget of any Star Trek ever in history for okay. a television show. So even just that, I mean, it looks remarkable on the screen. It looks so nice. Um, as far as story, very good story, very good acting. I mean, I'm. What season are we on now? Season two. Season two. Yeah. Isn't and, this the season where like the lady was like now a bat captain, like an uh, evil? version of herself yeah well she she's gone uh michelle yo i think her name yeah. is um but yeah she's gone kind of right yeah, so if we don't really know where she's at right now but um it's it's it's, it's going very well that's really good nice but do uh, you think that you think we'll get a third oh yeah we're gonna get a five okay. six oh, okay. seven seasons of this so cool. yeah that's that's going good um trekkies keeping the dream alive man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, jonathan gave a shout out to a movie uh earlier last week the um won't you be my neighbor the mr rogers movie oh, uh, yeah. documentary um, I have not seen that. Man, he was talking about it made him cry more than any movie he can remember in a while, and I can understand why. Damn. Like, this, man, it's, it's like, okay, the movie is set to show or highlight the best of Mr. Rogers and right. just show you, but the way that it's highlighted, they make this man seem like Jesus came back, and this <laughs> is, like, for real, man, like, he Jesus has come back. He just and came this, back in a fucking sweater. Yeah, he came, he came back in a sweater, and he is, and Mr. Rogers is the embodiment of love and compassion and all of that, and it was just like, they, they, they don't have those, like, religious overtones or undertones at all, right. but it's just like, he is just, like, the most caring, compassionate, gentle, pure person the way it makes it seem you right because yeah. yeah, nobody is that you know all that like you know in real life but they do make it seem that way and it's a tearjerker it's really yeah. really good he did a lot of, i like did you watch mr rogers when you were a kid uh, he was so old on pbs by the time yeah. i was watching it yeah because like i i i was in puerto rico so i never i never got introduced to mr rogers yeah. until like three years after i'm here okay where i was just like what the fuck is this mr rogers <laughs> yeah guy? And, like, he just seems like such a genuinely nice guy yeah. saying genuinely nice things. Yeah. He's genuinely. on the lines of, like, a Bob Ross to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, there, there's there's one other guy that's, like, Bob Steve Ross Irwin. and Steve Irwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is, like, the trifecta of, like, nice television personalities. Yep. And it's wonderful that they're, like, they're out there. It is. And they're awesome. It is. Um, did you fucking hear about... Peter shitting on Steve Irwin. Yes, and then the entire internet shitting on Peter. <laughs> yes, they all came for that ass. I love that. You deserve that too, Peter. Like, come oh, on. Oh yeah, Peter's bullshit. Yes, Peter fucking sucks. And they decide they feel like they could come for Steve Irwin. Yeah, really? for that crocodile hunter. Come on now. Nah, nah. Like, where Who do you I, think you are? How do you think you get to be indignant about anything here, Peter? Like, what? Like, no. But y'all my, seen that, and I liked that a lot. <laughs> my favorite thing was that. Uh, I think I don't know if this happened before or after, but at some point during that whole Steve Irwin thing, people started tweeting at PETA things like, hey, you're invited to a meat eating competition or like this ribeye steak that I just had was delicious. And then whoever's running the social media at PETA. Yeah. I think there's either like a bot or something that just responds to the uh, things. Yeah. And it was just saying like, thank you so much for the support. Uh, thank you for like inviting us or whatever. Hey, Peter, like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for the support. And someone just posted like a compilation of those pictures on Twitter. And I was just <laughs> laughing my ass off. <laughs> fuck Peter. They represent nothing good or nourishing to the animal kingdom. Oh, man. They're a horrible people. That's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, you don't fuck with Steve Irwin. It's no, like, why would crazy. you fuck with, of all the people. Of all the people, Steve Irwin's yeah. the nicest environmentalist that ever lived in television. He's, he's a great guy. Whatever. Seems like it, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the only other thing that happened uh, this past week, I went to Red Robin on a Friday after work and kind of like blew up about that shit on the <laughs> I internet think I afterwards. I saw your tweets. Like, 
because like I saw one tweet because like I wasn't I wasn't mad at the server you know it's just mm -hmm. like the server I've I've worked I've worked as a waiter before and it's just mm -hmm. like I'm, I don't want to give them a hard time like just I'm still going to give you a tip unless you fucked over completely right you know but it was just my issue was with the establishment itself and how they choose to to bring shit out and all right so this is what, yeah, this is what happened I'm so excited all right so I went to we went to Red Rob me and my girlfriend went there and we haven't been there in about two years since we had terrible service back then yeah. and we stole all their damn peppercorn you damn right I we do, took your peppercorn that. I do remember you damn right we took and we'll do it again. We took the season salt this time. So, so, so we went there, and, went there, and we got poor service. Like they they refuse. They have the thing called endless sides. Yeah. So if you get a burger and you're like, oh, you want fries with that? Like yeah. So then they'll bring you your fries out and while your your burger's cooking and everything. You eat your six or seven fries that are on the basket. Yeah. Then they'll bring you more fries. You know, it's supposed to be endless, bottomless sides. Right. That's what comes with it. That's their that's the that's expectation. The yes, that's the expectation they set upon coming to Red Robin. Bottomless sides. Right. I'm like all right. So that's what I expect. You set the expectations. I expect that. You know, not saying that the fries aren't good, not saying the burger isn't good, but I expect bottomless sides. Yes, yeah. I expect that. So when I get there and then they take my order and they know I got fries and then they don't come back for another like, I mean, it was like a reasonable time. Yeah. They, the waitress came back in a reasonable amount of time with the food, but then we never got more, more sides, fries. more fries. Damn. And they Damn. only give you like seven fries on your thing. Yeah. You know, bullshit. yeah, and it was just like, am I gonna stay here to like be an asshole and prove a point after all my food is done? I'm like, nope, bring them fries. You better bring me some more fries. I'm just gonna sit here and eat fries because out of the point, I'm like, no. I mean, I'll just go <laughs> give her a nice tip and went home and right. then talk shit about it on Twitter to a, a bot, a Red Robin service bot. <laughs> Did you like tag him in the tweet? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I added them and then it was like, go to this website and then let us know. So then I'm talking to corporate and then they were like trying to get more information and they want to pinpoint who the server, the, the server was. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's not the issue. You, I've been to multiple Red Robins and had multiple experiences like this about the way that you guys are setting up these endless fries that just don't happen. Yeah. You don't want these people to have the endless fries. Yeah. That's the whole. That's the whole setup, and that's what I'm upset about. Yeah, you know? they, but, they market it to get you in the table, mm -hmm. and then you get like two or maybe three plates of fries of that. And then you're yeah. supposed to be satisfied. We didn't even get like that. Right, we didn't yeah, even get that. Just fight. one burger and seven fries. The fries were good. Yeah. The fries were good, but there were seven fries on there. I counted them shits, man. There were seven fries. Love it. So after I finished my seven fries, I was like, oh, that's it? What the fuck? You know? right. I have a similar... Uh, I went to Outback Steakhouse. Um, first of all, like, I, I really also don't want to give like a bad time to servers. Yeah. But like when a server is just like either uninterested... Mm in helping me figure out my dining situation. They don't want to do the job, yeah. Yeah, or or they're just like blase about what I'm asking for. Yeah. I fucking want to hit them. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. It, and it's not like out of like like a violent reaction. Like I would never do that. No, no. But like the feeling inside of me is like I want to stand up from this table and I want to fucking headbutt them. I want you to understand uh, what you're doing to me right, right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just saying, just it's the worst. So yeah. we go to back and they give you that little bread thing. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's a tiny bread thing. It's very small. It used thing. to be a lot bigger. That, that brown yeah. loaf, yeah, I know what yeah. It's fucking delicious. Yep. It used to be like a big ass, yep. big circular like brown loaf, yeah. ass loaf of bread. Now it's like a little dick, um, um, a yoo-hoo <laughs> size thing, you know? <laughs> it's like a fucking little roll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we want more, mm -hmm. obviously. Yes. But then the guy takes way too long to get to the table mm -hmm. at any reasonable amount of time. Yep. So it's in that awkward moment where, like, we've already had two rolls of bread for three people. Yep. So we want another one. Mm -hmm. But then the guy comes in at the time where, like, the food is about to come out. Mm -hmm. But it's not there yet. So it's like about five to seven minutes of buffer time between food and bread. Okay. So you can't really order the bread because mm. then you're going to get like a big ass steak and fries and shit yeah. with your bread. And yeah. then the bread is just going to go and eat. Mm. 
And I mean, I will eat it out of spite, but okay. yeah. whatever. It, it's just the whole experience gets frustrating. Yes. I want bread. You're giving me tiny amounts of bread. There's three people on the table. Mm-hmm. Bring two. Bring two. From nice. the get-go. Yep. Two. I yep. don't care what you're going to do. Just give me two. Yeah. Give me two. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you say that you're going to come back with Cokes. Uh, do that. Do that in <laughs> two or three minutes that mm-hmm. it takes you to walk. From table to kitchen yep. to refill the Coke. Yep. Don't say, hey, I'll be back with your Coke, then come back 15 minutes later because I, I don't have Coke. I am choking on the steak, and it's your fault. <laughs> this is, like, the bad thing because, like, I used to give tips depending upon the service, and I would take mm-hmm. things off when I seen that they're not being a very attentive server. Mm-hmm. And, like, the past two or three years, like, I've just been going with the flow. What people do, they just give a good tip to the server regardless and just go about it. Right. But it's just, like, it seems like I'm, like, reaffirming bad behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it really is what it is. Yeah, and, and it's like they're just going to continue to do this. My service is going to c- get progressively worse, and I'm going to continue to give them good tips for right. it and reaffirm that. And I'm one of the guys that believes that we shouldn't even have to tip. As an employer, they you should. should give them the wage that they deserve so that is. we don't deserve That's how we it don't is deserve tips. Yeah. Everywhere else does that. Yeah. Uh, but all right, fuck America, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel that way too because I'm obligated to tip because I know they have a shit pay at yep. a job. Yep. That's not easy. No. But also, I'm angry at the fucking waiter because um, he said he was going to bring me Coke and took 20 minutes to bring me Coke. Yes. And I'm like, I don't... Like, I get it. You might be alone at a table. Like, there may be 15 people. Yeah. But prioritize, my guy. Yep. The people that you promise something, just do that. It fucking pisses me off. It drives yeah. me wild. Yeah, no. It, does, it also doesn't help that the last couple of days, I've woken up just, like, fucking seething. Oh. And, like, I don't know why. Like, it's not, like, bad angry energy, but yeah. it's, like, you wake up and you go, like, what the fuck? Uh, that feeling. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Outback. You're fucking up. You're fucking up. Yeah. Just restaurants in general. They, That's why we don't go to Shane's. That's why millennials are not going to change. Chains are dying out. Yeah. It's not because we don't have the money to go to it. Mm. It's because if we're going to spend $50 eating somewhere, I'd sauce. rather fuck off to the small local business that's making delicious avocado toast mm-hmm. and has these bullshit seven fries in a basket that you're advertising, Red yep. Robin. Yep. Fucking Outback with your tiny ass loaf of fucking bread. Yeah. Local businesses. I like do that. that. Yeah. Anyway. That was an unexpected little rant. I mean, well, it, it needed to be said. Got inspired by it, your rage. It needed to be said. <laughs> like, they're jerking us around. They've been jerking us around for the longest. Tired of it. Let's just start a riot. Just not going to patronize <laughs> these businesses. Not not at all. <laughs> no, yeah. just go to local businesses. Yep. That's it. It's the best fucking thing to do. Or, or fucking cook. Yeah, you know? oh, that's, nice. that's also a nice thing to do. Yes. Save the environment, you know? Yeah. Save cattle, whatever. Think PETA is supposed to stand for. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, man? Uh, no, nah, that was it for the week for cool. me. Cool. All right. So we're, <laughs> we're going to cut and then we're going to talk about uh, Blue Valentine. I don't know why I keep forgetting. I want to say Blue Velvet every time. Do you know I was right about to call you yeah. like uh, like earlier today, this morning? I was like, fuck. Like I fucked up earlier and we got this week is one movie. And, then, and a few weeks later, there's something similar, similarly yeah. named with a, bl- a B and a V. <laughs> I was like, this could have been switched up very easily. See, I, I went back and checked the screenshot. Like I scroll up every time. And it's like, okay, Blue. Good. Yep. Good. <laughs> anyway, so we'll be right back and we'll talk about Blue Valentine. Yeah, yeah. And welcome back. Hey, hey, Chris, Blue Valentine. All right. This is a Blue Valentine. It came out, Blue Valentine. I think I said time just now. <laughs> Blue, Blue time. <laughs> Blue Valentine came out in 2010. It's a drama indie film with a runtime of one hour, 54 minutes, and it is rated R. 
Uh, the rundown is a complex portrait of a contemporary American marriage. Blue Valentine tells a story of David and Cindy, uh, played by uh, Michelle Williamson. My oh, goodness, I love her so much. And uh, Ryan Gosling, who have been together for several years but are at an impasse in their relationship. While Cindy has blossomed into a woman with opportunities and options, David is still the same person he was when they met, and he is unable to accept either Cindy's growth or his lack of it. Uh, the writer-director is Derek Cianfrance um, from uh, Place Beyond the Plant. I, knew, beyond it was, the I plan. knew it was the same fucking guy. You know, yeah. I was thinking that while I was watching it. You know, yeah, just, I was, yeah Place Beyond the Plants and uh, stars Ryan Gosling, Michelle Williams. Fuck it. I knew it was the same fucking guy. Because mm. the moment that I saw those like super intense close-ups, I was just like, I've seen this shit. You know? I know what this is. And it sounded, it looked exactly like a Place Beyond the Pines and... That's not a bad thing. It's a real, no, no. it's a real good thing. No. But I knew that it fucking looked familiar, so I'm not it, surprised that it's the same guy. The thing that that made me um, connect a little bit, I was like, Ryan Gosling seems to be. I've seen him be like this before, <laughs> shot like this before, and then I was like, oh, yep, the place beyond the possible was like That's that. The guy, yeah, yeah. He was. He also had another film called Have Nelson, which I think is on Netflix right now. Cool. About he's a teacher that is a heroin addict. Ooh. And uh, it's a really great fucking film, and it's shot very similarly. Okay. So Ryan Gosling has a tendency to be in this movie, so he plays a really intense, flawed character. Yeah. And for some reason, whenever he does that, people fucking love to shoot him like really up close and yeah. dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I this is one of the, this is one of those movies like A Place Beyond the Pines was like dramatic, but it, it had this this air of like we weren't intervening in people's lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had this air of, like, you were still watching from quite afar. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but this particular movie had the, gave me it. the impression that you're, like, fucking in that room yeah. with these people. And I think part of that is just because, like, the close-ups are tighter mm -hmm. and the tracking in those close-ups is a little bit more erratic as if you're trying to keep eye line with whoever's talking at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it, it creates some, like, gorgeous composition and it yeah. looks gorgeous on oh, camera. Yeah. But holy shit, am I uncomfortable every time that the camera's pointed at somebody. Yeah. I fucking hate those close-ups. <laughs> they look gorgeous. Yeah. And I never clench my asshole more than when I'm watching a movie like this. Yeah. It's so, it makes me so uncomfortable mm -hmm. at any point that I just want to turn the movie off and never watch it. <laughs> yes. It, it, <laughs> it, puts, it puts you so much into it. And another thing, that, what I love about it is just like that study of human behavior mm -hmm. and, and a studying of relationships. And it wasn't until watching this movie this week that I even understood like what was going on with the sequencing. You right. know, because I watched this before we started, um, started going to school and I knew I liked it, but didn't know really why. It was just more of the, um, the scene with uh, Ryan Gosling where he has a ukulele. Lately, yeah. and he's singing in front of Michelle Williams or the scene where they're on the bus and they have the dirty joke but I was just like I didn't understand what was happening there but this the way that this is sequenced like it, it 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 changed the way that I seen this as far as pacing. Like this thing moved and moved and moved for me because at the beginning you're seeing the end of a relationship and then he's juxtaposing every ten minutes or so right. with the uh, you know with something completely opposite. So you'll see a terrible part in their relationship and then you'll see an equally good part right juxtaposed to that in the next ten minutes right. and then back and forth and back and forth uh, culminating to the end and beginning of their relationship. Right and the way the way that he does that is just it's pretty brilliant like i i really enjoyed that part yeah for me it, it really did feel like there were two movies mm -hmm. that were playing simultaneously yeah and then you just switch the channels yep. between them yep um and then the real genius about that is that at, at the end it really becomes like you see the young part and you see the marriage falling apart mm -hmm. 
But you see how they became the family that yeah. eventually falls apart? Yes. And I thought that was such a clever way of like portraying, because there's a lot of movies that portray a failing marriage yeah. through flashbacks. Yeah. But there's not a lot of movies that don't explain you what they're doing. How they got there, yeah. There's not a lot of movies that decide to start you off with the sort of subpar marriage mm. and then cut back to like a good time, then cut back to the failing marriage, mm. and then come back to an ambiguously bad time mm. when they were young and then an ambiguously good, good time, time when they when were, they were older, yeah. And to sort of show that the inclination is still there, like just the people that have changed yep. so much. Yeah. So I, th I, th I really think that the cross-cutting between the failing marriage and like when they were young mm is a great way to tell that degradation of a relationship. Yes. Um, because it shows you what they could have been had they both grown in similar ways, mm -hmm. except that they didn't. They didn't, yeah. And I I love that element of it. Did you see, like, the um, what I really loved about, we were talking about, you were talking about color grading earlier, mm -hmm. in the, uh, the breakup phases, you see, like, that it's kind of grainy and washed out mm -hmm. during the breakup phases, and then in the courtship, when they're, like, falling in love, then it's a little more brighter and it feels happier, yes. you know, just in the color alone. Um, I actually spent, so I, I, I get, I've been getting in the habits of taking back notes, mm -hmm. which means that I've been Wikipediaing movies again. Nice. Um, so Blue Valentine actually was shot, it had a $1 million budget and it was shot Sheesh. on super, yeah, it is a super cheap fucking movie to make. Um, so the parts where they were already married, that was shot on a red one. Mm. And then the parts that they were not married was shot in super 16 millimeter film stock. <laughs> that makes um, sense. Which yeah. is why they look so grainy and so saturated yeah. because the color stock of that film is a little bit more saturated. The signs are a little bit brighter. Yeah. And because it's not 35 millimeter, mm. it has a, something about the composition of 16 millimeter makes it inherently more grainy than 35 millimeter. Okay. Which is why you get that really like grain saturated color yeah. out of the 16 millimeter. Yeah. And then back when, then when they're shooting the post marriage scenes, the color grade in that post marriage is made to imitate that 16 millimeter film stock in ways of color, uh, which is why you see the cyan pop and you see the reds pop a little yeah. more and everything looks sort of bright. Yep. The only difference is that they do wash it out more okay. and it becomes like a less saturated version of that aesthetic that the 16 millimeter film stock gives the film. Yeah. Um, so like it's a, it's a super smart decision. I agree. Um, because shooting a film in 16 millimeter stock does something really unique to your image. It gives it, an inherently cinematic feel to it, yeah. but also a feel that is born out of like the independent filmmaking of the eighties mm -hmm. and nineties. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if I don't think Beyond the Pines did that. It didn't look but like the it. other movie, Half Nelson, is shot entirely in sixteen millimeter. Okay, and it looks just like that, sort of grainy, super saturated. Yeah, and it just gives a and like a cinema veritas feeling to what you're watching. Huh. And so, like, that was a really, really cool thing that I enjoyed learning about this film. Yeah. It was, it was um, a bit difficult to, to understand. Like, with the sequencing, it made it a little difficult to understand a bit because the, the information is coming at you from, from behind. But, um, or, well, they have more information than you have at the time. But there's one scene where uh, she goes into the liquor store and then she runs into what looks to be an ex-boyfriend or a guy that she's familiar with. Right. But we don't have much information about him at that moment right. earlier on the, at the beginning of the movie. And um, he's talking to her like, oh, we have, I haven't seen you in, like, years or six years or four years. It's been a good long time. And uh, he immediately was like, uh, so, so you're married? She's like, yeah. It's like, uh, you've been faithful? 
And it's just like a whoa. What, what is this? Like, oh, this is the first kind of moment we've had like this in the movie. Where is this going? She's like, wow, you haven't seen me in so long. That's the first question you ask. And that's kind of like one of the cringe. Like, oh, what's so this guy? Yeah. And it's like, yes, I've been faithful. And then she leaves out, doesn't immediately say anything about it. And so you can kind of say there's, you know, there's a little more history and she's trying to keep it away. And um, she's explaining it to him. And you're trying to figure out, like, why is he so... Uh, like agitated by him. What was, mm-hmm. what is the point of this guy? Why is he so angry about this guy? And then the further we get into the movie, then we find out, Oh, this child, Frankie isn't Ryan Gosling's child. Then right. we find out how Michelle Williams gets pregnant in the first place. And then see, then see uh, him get his ass whooped. That is, that's probably my favorite scene besides like the whimsical fun stuff was mm-hmm. when uh, Ryan Gosling is getting beat up by the, uh, the three guys. Yeah. Bobby on tire. Bobby. Yeah. Cause she, she comes, she comes home and she's, um, and she's listening to her voicemail or her answer machine. There's no voicemail. <laughs> she's listening to her answer machine. And, um, she's, she's hearing this guy who's a complete jerk, just saying the worst nasty things to her possible. And, um, by the culmination of it, she, he's like, yeah, and I'm going to beat up the new guy. And I hope you enjoy his face when I give him back to you. Cause I'm gonna mess him up real nice. Right. And then the next scene, we see is him is working at work and the three guys pulling up on him and a phone is just ringing over and over and over and you realize like oh that's from that scene she's calling him to try to avoid the yeah. ass whooping that he's currently getting there's just yeah. a really cool intro cutting yeah. this guy Derek is that his name Derek yeah Derek he has this really uncanny ability to intercut footage together yeah. to like really give it a nice little like little bit of emotional depth that it needed mm. like in that like that scene when you're saying when she's calling to avoid the ass whooping yeah. you, it, it takes a couple of minutes for it to register but yeah, then you realize that that's what's happening yeah and then but also he does this thing visually and i'm going back to the cross in between the marriage and the the beginning of the relationship yep. where he would end the and the first time I noticed this was when he took the money from Walters after getting paid. Love that. And then he opens the door and he just stares out of the door. Yep. And then we cut. And then go somewhere else. Just yep. go somewhere else. Don't come else. back to that for like 30 minutes in the movie. Right. But <laughs> and, and, and you don't realize what he's doing. What but he's looking next, at, anything. Not not at all. It doesn't give you any information. But the next mask cut after looking at Brian mm-hmm. and seeing his eyeline is Michelle Williams in the window once they're married. Mm-hmm. And then 30 minutes into the film, he cuts from a similar shot. Mm-hmm. And then it's... Michelle Williams' point of view, looking at Ryan yeah. Gosling yeah. from the door. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, fuck, that was like really good. Yeah. Uh, I love those moments of intercutting because they link the time and past. They, list the, they, they, they link the time past between the two relationships yeah. really nicely. And he had another example of that when they were in the future room and yeah. like he wanted to have sex, yep. but she was just like, no. Yeah. Um, Another moment that dra- like juxtaposes how dramatic the difference between the beginning of the relationship and now was mm-hmm. is that they have that shot and he's on top of her on the floor. Yeah. And then immediately after, they cut to when they're running in the city backwards. Mm-hmm. And then he ends in a really similar shot of Ryan Gosling on just top of her. Wrestling and having fun and enjoying it. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just like those tiny little moments yeah. really give me the sense that this is a director that wanted to really... Not, it's not a character study. It's a relationship Relationship study, study yeah. You know, where, like, yep. the characters are less important than the relationship, the relationship with itself. the two characters. Yep. And uh, I think he did a fantastic job with the cross-cutting mm-hmm. gimmick of the movie. Like, yeah. it just did so good. And I feel like any other movie would have just cast Ryan Gosling in such a terrible light to where it would have just been a movie about not liking Ryan Gosling and right. how he's making this marriage fall apart. Is I'm, I'm really, I really love how you just get the context of how a marriage can go from or a relationship can go from beautiful to 
I have no love left for you. This is over. There's nothing else that I can do in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really, really love that. And someone like Ryan Gosling, who he all he really wanted was Cindy and Frankie. And he didn't change, you know, right. from the beginning of the movie. Well, he didn't change in that aspect. I mean, he, de- he had no degraded. emotional growth. No, no emotional yeah. growth at all. I mean, even towards the end of the movie, he still very much loves Cindy. He still very much loves Frankie. Mm-hmm. But you can tell there's something in him that he's regretful from or, or there's something. He, he begins to drink and de- maybe depressed a bit. And he just doesn't grow any further. He doesn't right. grow he's outside stagnant. of himself. Yeah, very yeah, much. He's yeah. stagnant emotionally. Yeah. And then that's sort of what creates tension yeah. in the family to begin with mm-hmm. i feel because like we see it a lot in the times in the movie where like michelle williams's character um cindy is always referencing like i thought we only had one kid in the house mm-hmm. not two yep. like i don't want to clean up after two kids yep. uh, i only have one yeah or like in the hotel when she says the same thing like mm-hmm. it all comes back to them it all it all harkens back to ryan gosling not having enough emotional growth mm-hmm. as a character and that's like the prime source of tension for her yeah <clears throat> and the prime source of tension for him is that she's changed too much. Yes. There's a, there's a good example of that in the very beginning of the movie, which I think he's just trying to highlight and yell at us exactly exactly to your point when um, they're having the breakfast. And then he's like, what is this? Uh, did you put water in this oatmeal? She's like, yeah. yes, instant oatmeal. And then it's like, okay, no, we're going to eat it like um, whatever kind of animal he says. Yeah, like a, like a tiger. Like a, a tiger, yeah. yeah. So or like a leopard, yeah. So they, they put the raisins down and they're eating it off the table. And then it was like, yeah, okay, I don't, I don't want to take care of two kids. Yada, you're making a mess everywhere. And then it was like, oh, yeah, just because, you know, you're a, a big girl, now you can't have any fun you can't have an imagination you know from his perspective it's like hey i'm trying to spend time with my child and we're having fun like a good dad will be doing with his his daughter like trying to make a not fun moment a fun 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 moment and it's it's not so much that moment for her that she's angry about it's him at the culmination of him you know of what he's just not growing up emotionally like you said within the relationship with her as well yeah and and i think that like the the so I like the way the film looks. Mm. I like the editing of the film. Mm. I like a lot of the relationship juxtapositions within the film. Yeah. I absolutely like don't like the story at all of the what, film. What do you mean? Um, I don't like the... This is a thing that happens when in a lot of these movies mm. where like, and, and the main character, like the guy in the character is interested in the female character. Yeah. And then the main character goes out of his way to like go find her somewhere mm. when she's having a private life yep. and force her into an interaction that yep. she clearly didn't want because she didn't call you. No, and she initially then, definitely did not. Right, yeah. definitely didn't want to. And, and that, it, it's, it's that thing when the, like, the, the relationship just feels contrived at the beginning. And so they try to play that off of like that's like the, um, how do you say it? That's like the way that a relationship is bound to start off. Uh, and and this, in this particular movie, the relationship does fall apart. Yeah. But I see that trend a lot where, like, the main guy is a creepy guy. He follows. He's not creepy, but he does creepy things. Okay. Makes the woman uncomfortable. Puts mm. her in an uncomfortable position. Forces her to interact with him. Yes. Uh, and then initiates a relationship that way. Mm. And it's it sort of. And the reason why I hate it is because it comes off as, like, borderline like just gaslighting abusive behavior mm. where like he, he is forcing himself into her life and she's not necessarily given the opportunity to say no back the fuck off. I think initially, yeah. 
but it's just like the, the fact that they had like the six year marriage at that point. I mean, right. and it, like there, you can't deny that he stalked her, like went back to where her grandmother right. was, tried to find out where she was. Which is two hours H- out of the city, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. Then hung out on the bus and then just yeah. waited for her to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she already told him no. And when he gets there, dude was like, uh, yeah, I gave her my number, but she never called me. Right. You know, so it's <laughs> like you, there's not there's no like way that we can't say that he was creepy and stalkerish. Right. You know, like 100 percent. But after a while, it's just like. She had plenty of opportunity to be like, you're a creep. Get the fuck out of here. But like the fact that they stayed together and he raised a child and right. all of that, it's like I think she wanted to be with him a bit. No, and I think that I think so that she did want to be with him. But it's it's a trend. I'm talking about the trend itself because mm-hmm. it happens. This is another reason why I hate The Notebook, mm-hmm. which is incidentally played by Ryan Gosling, yep. the main character. He's also a fucking creep. Yeah. He yeah. threatens to kill himself at yep. some point if the girl doesn't go out on a date with yep. him. So it's just like that idea of like the main character being so insistent on having that first interaction. Mm. And then after the first interaction, whatever like happens, yeah. happens. Um, but I just I just really hate that element of it. Like that was an element of their relationship that I just absolutely hated. Just like the persistence. It's, it's, it's no. tough. It's tough. I mean, it, it really is tough. Even like real life situations. It's like it's just should you ever be persistent at any point, you know, or is it just like. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's no. just like, is there ever any reason to be persistent? I, I think that I think that contextually there might be at some point, but yeah. not to the point where you're putting the other person in an uncomfortable position. Yeah, the, like you, you know can't. What I'm saying? Yeah, you can't do what he was doing so right. much. You can't stalk, go to someone's place, where was she at, and then wait for her on a, on a bus. Like, yeah, and then talk to her grandma yeah. for no reason. Yeah. But I also think that those character traits are character traits in this movie. Mm that are played as to why their relationship felt in the first place. Because he has that sort of obsessive, angry personality to him where if he doesn't get what he wants, Mm. then then everyone around him is going to get punished. And we've seen that at the end of the movie. And we see that at the end of the movie. And he becomes actually quite an abusive partner Mm -hmm. um, at some point through the middle of the movie. Mm -hmm. And and so, like, on on that front, I, like, grant the movie that, notion that they did portray that negatively mm-hmm. but it's such a trend that happens in these kinds of movies yep. about the relationship studies where like the guy's just an asshole yeah. and a creep yeah. and then the relationship gets started and it ends up falling apart ruining each other lives yeah it's just ugh. i guess i'm not i can't i'm not upset about it just because like and, and it has become a trope but it is kind of reality too like there's a lot of situations that are like very much like that and fall apart very similar to that and is the only thing I would put a negative on is that maybe let's not highlight this so much even though it is a truth but it is a tr- it is something that does very much happen unfortunately it does happen and I think the problem comes from like this, this movie in particular isn't necessarily the bad the worst at it but no. it comes from like movies like this and the glorifying that behavior no yes yes I agree with uh, that. and that's kind of what I'm talking yeah, about I agree on that um, on this movie I'm not going to take away any points from that because yeah. it, it, I, I think it does do a good job at the end of showing that that personality trait is why the relationship yeah. ends up falling apart yeah um, but there's a lot of movies like The Notebook The Notebook yeah. glorifies the shit out of very that very much um what is this fucking movie? Stand by me. I haven't seen that one. Um, the movie where like I walk with I walk to remember. I walk to remember all the Mandy Moore. Uh, I think. It was another explanation of that where the guy is just persistently annoying mm-hmm. to the girl. Yeah. Until she breaks down and decides to date him. Yeah, um, that's that's not a good. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't be highlighting that because then guys that are 12, 13, or fourteen growing up with that, it was like, well, I just didn't pester her enough. You know, maybe I had right. to stalk her a little more, and then yeah, I get the girl. Um, and true, we're we are straying away from that yeah. in in cinema and yeah. fiction and in real life a lot. Yeah more um but it, it just fucking gritted my teeth i can understand that Definitely um, 
there was one there was one shot we're talking about that star contrast again that i found really notable yeah and it was when right after the ukulele scene where they're playing and tap dancing and mm. whatever in the street yep. and then they just fucking cut to like a sad angry resentful look of michelle williams and mm. blue light fucking staring at ryan gosling yeah ah man ah. This this so this is the movie where it was like ah she was my favorite actor of all time well not of all time but at that moment in like 2011 or so when, yeah. when I seen it and I was pairing her up she was with a Heath Ledger at the time I don't know if they were married or they were just they, together they were so they were yeah. in a relationship when filming was gonna start yeah. but then filming started actually about eight months after Ledger's death oh okay because yeah. like around this time it's like they were together and I was like whoa like these two people like I, I, I was a Dawson's Creek fan love that and I was like these two are like the greatest pair of actors that I've ever seen in my entire life you know mm -hmm. and then this movie com comes out and I'm like yeah I'm done talking about actress like you men or women like you're the best actor that i know i fucks with michelle williams yeah. and in this i feel like and it's not a competition but if, if we're saying who did the better job as an actor between michelle williams and, and ryan gosling. gosling and portraying such a subtle difference of six years it's like we're not talking about like going from 23 to 45 we're saying like just the the subtlety of a six-year change and you have like the prosthetics and the makeup and the visual changes of uh, ryan gosling mm -hmm. but the small changes that michelle williams has it just being being shutting herself within her own body and just being numb to everything by the time she's later in the relationship, like just did a masterful job as an actor. Oh, like I, was I loved amazing. her work. The emotional new, because Michelle doesn't really change physically all that much no. from when she started the film. Mm -hmm. So all of that tension and, and like emotional weight really is a performance thing mm. for Michelle's character. Oh, yeah. And she fucking killed it. Ooh. She was like, like it was something about the back of her eyes, like mm. for, like the younger Michelle yeah. just looks so happy and joyful, mm. and like she was having fun with life, and yeah. then the older Michelle just looks so resentful Gone. and backed away from it all and yeah. numb from it. It was like it was genuinely like like I'm a I'm a Ryan Gosling fanboy, See, yeah, but like in this movie, Michelle stole the fucking show altogether. Oh, yeah. yeah, like she outacted Ryan Gosling yeah. in those tiny ways. Yeah. Because um, Ryan Gosling, his performance is really good. Yeah. But he does the Ryan Gosling performance, mm -hmm. which is the kind of like borderline neurotic, charming sociopath kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, flawed character, yeah. Yeah, that he tends to go for. Yep. Um, which is great, but we've seen it before. But Michelle Williams, ah, oh, fucking great. Ooh. She was amazing in this film. There is a uh, there's a line where uh, where Cindy's talking to her grandma, and she's uh, she says, "What did it feel like when you were in love?" And then she was like, "Oh, I don't I don't think I ever found it." And she was like, "Even with grandpa, she's like maybe a little in the beginning, but uh, he didn't really have any regard for me as a person." And you got to be careful with that. You got to be careful with the person you fall in love with. It, or is it worth it to you? Right. You know, and, and that right there was like the um, very significant because of what's going on in her actual relationship is she's like, am I in love? She's questioning it herself. She was like, May well, maybe if she can give me some validation, then maybe I can kind of, you know, see that within myself. Right. And her grandmother was like, no, I don't think I ever found love myself. It was like, if you found it, then you would know it. But the fact that you're asking me, maybe you haven't. Right. You know, and um, that, that right there was just it was a strong moment, you know, just seeing someone 40 years her senior giving her that kind of advice or just telling her that. It's like, woof. And then resonating because they intercut that footage or that scene, the intercut it with moments of the adult relationship mm -hmm. as well, yeah. which really just gives... That's Okay, so that's another element of the shooting of this film that I really, really, really enjoy. It's yeah. more of the editing. Mm -hmm. We're like, they're showing a person on camera. Yeah. And for example, like they have an action, like Ryan Gosling says something yeah. and then Michelle Williams is responding to that. 
they never cut away from Ryan Gosling's mm. shot. Mm. And they actually track Ryan Gosling as he leaves the conversation and Michelle Williams still is still talking. delivering her lines. Yeah. And it gives an element, it usually happens in like in the in the fighty scenes in the where they're having an argument. Mm. Particularly in that doctor's office when he walks in all drunk and he's like starts berating yeah, everyone in that same, room. Yeah. Um, super chaotic, but we never cut away from Ryan Gosling's face mm. or Michelle Williams' face. No. But when they're on camera, the opposite person is the one that's yelling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yep, it gives like it, it just really links up the space of the argument mm. and the performances are heightened because we're seeing what we should be seeing, yeah. which is not someone delivering a hurtful line, but someone reacting, reacting. to a hurtful line. Yep. And, and it, it, that choice, that choice to keep the camera on that character getting hurt yeah. really heightens the emotional intensity of the scene. And it's part of the reason why I was uncomfortable the entire time through this film, because mm. it's all in close up. So yes. you get to see it. The reaction to like some, some terrible stuff. Like, yeah, man, I, I, I was the part that I was wanting to point out what I had an issue with. Mm -hmm. I didn't, after I went back and watched the first 30 minutes again, I don't have an issue with this now, but uh, the very end, it seemed like kind of um, seemed kind of contrived on the writing aspect that they had him blow up seemingly out of nowhere. It felt like because he had no history of being violent or even raising his voice or pushing Michelle Williams around or mm -hmm. anything like that. And um, and then at the end, he's at the doctor's office and he's going completely ballistic and right. he, he eventually punches out the uh, the doctor at her work and gets her fired. And I was like, whoa, like he didn't show any of that. You got to advertise like something like that 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 can't happen before we that we get to right. that but um at the very first scene in the movie the very first is um the end of that scene when um the daughter and the mom drive away mm -hmm. it was like oh put your seatbelt on you got to be careful and this is at the end of the movie at the beginning you yeah. know this is at the end of the relationship is like put your seatbelt on you need to be careful she drives off and then there's a car driving by fast and he gets way too upset about it right. he's like you fucking asshole you could kill somebody takes a cigarette throws it at the car and just yeah and just so i'm like that right there takes place like 30 minutes before the the next thing happens to yeah. him going up to the doctor's office. I'm just like, whoa, yeah, you and pretty good editor, pretty good storyteller. I like that. And not only that, but we see him develop that rage mm -hmm. throughout the film. Yeah. And it becomes less patient. Mm -hmm. He becomes less funny, less charming. Yeah. And he becomes a guy that is holding a lot of anger and resentment. Yeah. And the future room scene is really where I think I knew that he was going to get to that point. Yeah. I was just waiting for him to throw the first punch at Michelle. Mm after that hotel room because that's really when he starts getting shut down inside his own anger because mm -hmm. he knows that the marriage is failing at that point i love the editing up into the when you say up to this mm -hmm. point and that was like the embodiment of everything in that scene mm -hmm. and him trying to get her pregnant to have his child mm -hmm. and everything up until that point is we understanding that oh that's that's his child he really loves his daughter frankie then we're like oh no that's not his daughter and then the things that's going on to that and why he's slowly just becoming worse and worse and drinking more and more and more and becoming a worse person. And then we finally see him trying to force himself on her to have a baby. And then we kind of just see what is the context behind? Why do you want this baby so bad? Right. You know, and it's you, but you can kind of see the way that it was edited. He's been raising someone else's child for the longest. And he does. He loves that child just as much yeah. as he loves himself and Michelle Williams. But he also wants to have a child of his own. And. It, it just gets very dark at that point. Yeah, that's the point of the movie where it really gets, like, starts declining in, in sanity for both Michelle and Ryan Gosling's yeah. character. I think Michelle becomes more, like, 
just withdrawn from yeah, everything. She shuts off. Like, yeah, completely shuts like, everybody their, off. Their family dog dies because she just forgets to leave. The, she leaves the cage open. Like, mm-hmm. she's just, like, she's done. Right. She shut it off. Absolutely done. And then Ryan develops his deep-seated, deep-rooted rage mm-hmm. um, for Michelle's character. Yeah. And then like, that's ultimately why the relationship falls apart. Yeah. Because um, they're both so, like, he still loves her, but he doesn't yeah. know how to love her in the way that she needs to be loved. Yeah. And she just doesn't want anything else to do with him. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a genius because this is a very, I don't want to say realistic in the veins of being a cynic, but yeah. it's a very common issue that happens in relationships mm-hmm. where, like, one partner grows and the other partner stagnates. Yeah. And she keeps mentioning, it's just like, well, you have so much potential. You can do all these things. But yeah. he seems to just want to be a dad and just wants to be her husband. Yeah. Um, that that also becomes like a huge point of contention. And that happens so much in yeah. relationships yeah. Um, that I found that this movie was just a brilliant like relationship study of yeah. like how relationships can go really, really wrong. I, I, I liked how they didn't end it with something that would have been um, endings that I've seen so so many times before mm-hmm. with you have a relationship like this and then nothing is really happening. Like we didn't get to the end to where he blew up towards like, all right, this is a nail in the coffin. And you always look for what is that nail in the coffin moment in movies. And a lot of the time, like in these situations, you would see something to where the man isn't violent. He's just shutting down within himself more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the woman would cheat in the relationship and then it would be caused by the man's inattentiveness to her right. and then that or you would have the nail in the coffin being you know that there they don't like the relationship and then he hits her or cheats himself right. you know and I love that they stayed away from both of those things it didn't come from him being violent to her her being violent to him any any of that it came to they had a nail in the coffin moment of him just lashing out in a completely realistic way to the movie you know because in that yeah. movie you wouldn't see him cheating on her at all because of how much he loved her right I think I think that I think that I half agree with what you're saying. Like they strayed away from the like the cheating aspect of the relationship yeah. and the domestic abuse of yep. like literally hitting her, like yes. the physical aspect. There was of a lot abuse. more abuse, but not but, yeah. physical, like typical that we would have been seeing. Yeah, right. But th- there was throughout the entire film from the beginning, there was a huge Mental amount abuse. of emotional abuse. Yeah, and uh, what I liked about the film is that they don't shy away from mm. showing that mental no, abuse. No, not at all. And from showing the effects of it uh, mm-hmm. uh, as well. So, like, the nail in the coffin moment wasn't a dramatic. You're right. Like, it wasn't a dramatic moment of, like, her getting hit by him or cheating, or finding him cheating on with someone. Mm-hmm. But the nail in the coffin moment was when the mental abuse just got too much. Too much. Yeah. And it was that future room mm-hmm. in the hotel. I think that was a dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the dramatic moment for him was when she left him to go to work. Mm-hmm. And then dramatic moment... Um, for her was when he tried to have sex with her. And she was already done. And she was like, done. Yep. Um, and so, like, that scene was so rough to watch. Yeah. Fucking. And like you say, how would they juxtapose that with? Yeah. You know, he's just like, whoa, man, like, you're just, you're playing with my feels, you know, because mm-hmm. you're giving me their best and their sweetest thing, and then you you set me all up, and then that's that's another thing that I love is, um, something I talk about a lot, is the yin and the yang mm-hmm. and, and dichotomy, juxtaposition. It's like you can't, for being cheesy, like, touch the heavens without staring into the abyss. Like, right. the further you go up, then you also have to have the other side of it as well. And, I mean, they had some of the of some very good times, like the ukulele in the middle of the street. Another thing about Michelle Williams acting that I really, really love, because this isn't even directing, this is Michelle Williams, mm-hmm. is um, one scene was the, uh, the shower scene where it's just uh, he's trying to be get all frisky and have some sex in the shower, and just her body language, yeah, everything oh, about that. So you just, oh, you just know. And another thing, 
when uh, when he's playing the ukulele or just the bus scene too is how much you can tell that she is her own person and there's no writing that can do that for her and uh, at one point when he's playing that song you always heard the one you love that song and uh, he slows it out like all right this is a slow part you slow dance to this part slow dance to this she doesn't no, do no slow no, dance she stops dancing she stops dancing yeah. you know and that's not like script like hey stop dancing right here it's just oh, no i am an independent person I'm, i feel like dancing right now i don't feel like dancing right now i like you i'm still smiling i'm yeah. happy about what you're doing i like the song you're actually pretty good you know but i just love that her character when she takes on a role like she embodies it she becomes the person and like i i, I just loved her for that you want to know a fun fact about that whole walk through new york was that completely improvised i 100 no, agree i bet no line was written for that they it, just said they have a walk through new york it comes across that way yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> i'm like well you can't well you can't write that yeah. what, what we're seeing there but yeah it was i i think that like and this is another thing that i, I think derek is good at he knows when to give his actors just complete freedom yeah. to deliver an emotional scene. Yeah. That was, I don't remember the specific scenes, but there was quite a few scenes that the lines were not expressly written. Mm. They just had like an emotional tonality. Okay. And then they let the lines come out from the actors. Yeah. Um, and I think that like there's value in being Hitchcockian about your directing. It's mm. just like everything is to the script, storyboarded, yeah. how I want it. There yeah. is value in that. Yeah. But well, there's also an immense amount of value against the opposite direction, yes. which is what I think Derek has become quite good at, mm -hmm. which is just letting the actors deliver their body language and then using the camera to keep up with them instead of them keeping up with the camera mm -hmm. or working for the camera. Yeah. The tracking shot and uh, the tracking shots in these close ups a lot of the time they can't follow the actor no. because they don't necessarily know what the actor is going to do in that close up. You can see that too. Um, and I love that because it gives a feeling of authenticity. Yeah. But not only does it create authenticity, it creates the idea that you're the guy watching mm. and you're trying to keep up with what's happening as well as the camera is. Mm. Um, so like just the emotional delivery of those moments becomes much more tangible yeah. than if the camera was perfectly still yeah. as a David Fincher movie would be. Yeah. You know, like these close-ups on a Fincher movie would follow the eye line directly the whole time, yeah. and they would work, but they wouldn't feel... Like a family falling apart. That would feel all. like David Fincher telling you that a family is falling apart. I agree with that. And I think that this is where this movie really, really shines at. And yeah. like the cinematography. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me see if there was uh, there yeah. was uh, some couple of lines in there that I really wanted to to harp on. Oh, with the um the uh, dean uh, talking about the uh, the old people. Oh, you know what happened to um what was his name? Uh, Frankie, old Frankie, or the uh, the Walter. guy Walter? No. Yeah, you know what happened to old Walter? <laughs> it's like what? How can you just say it like that? <laughs> you know, that's what that's what happens. You know, old people die. He's like, I'm not gonna end up like that. He's like, What you mean you're not gonna end up like that? What are you gonna do? I'm just not gonna do it. I'm not, not gonna dying. die. I'm yeah. not gonna die. It's like what? You just not do that. Yeah. It was like when the home was like, Well, no, it's like I'm not gonna get old. Like he, he's a dummy for dying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do it. And and I another I love that moment too because it like it's funny and it's endearing, but it also gives you an emotional truth about Goslin mm, about who that he is. he's not ready to accept no. the harshness of life. Yeah, and that carries on all the way through the end. Yep. and I, I, I think I, th I think the film is gorgeously written, mm. and I think that the actors had really good intuition when they were improvising yeah. and they understood these characters excellently. And Ryan Gosling did a phenomenal job, but Michelle Williams did a more than phenomenal job. She was job. cooking. She fucking killed it. She cooked, yeah. And half of the reason why I think this movie holds any emotional weight is Michelle Williams. I think I think yes. like a, a lesser actress or like another actress wouldn't have given the just the nuance that Williams provided. Yeah, this is a completely different movie without her. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, 
but and, and that being said, like I've been praising the movie because it did everything so fucking well. Yeah. But I can't say that I like the movie. Mm. I don't like watching this movie. Oh, there's a lot of movies I feel the way. Yeah. Like I I love what the movie did. I yeah. love the technicality of yes. the film. Yes. I love how Derek directed the film. Yep. I love the cinematography and the editing mm-hmm. and the presentation. But I had I didn't have fun. No, you can't have and, fun watching <laughs> someone's life fall apart. It's just <laughs> like it's just it, you can't. It's hard to watch. Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the story, mm. but it just did it so well. Yes, that you just can't help but just be like, "Fuck, you're a good movie." Yeah, like I hated you, but you're great. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's yeah yeah I, that that I I get that with a lot of movies because like we both have like similar we're not similar but we have the things that we like and the things that we don't like but like even in like in a movie that you don't like it's like you know what guy I don't like you but I, I respect you right <laughs> you <know? laughs> I was like hey I respect the hell out of you you know I ain't gonna, that's, that's just kind of what it is with the Blue Valentine as it's well like shake hands and yeah. like yeah. I felt similarly about um, Blue Velvet yeah. you know like I watched like a lot of that movie and mm-hmm. I was just like wow I really Really fucking don't want to watch this. Yeah, but, but goddamn, it's like good. I, I respect you. I still respect the <laughs> shit out of you. You know, all right. And that, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Just to like give it a handshake and just go like, you did your thing. Yeah. I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> um. <laughs> so what, what would you, do you have anything else you want to say about the film? Um, the, the only replay value for me is what it's always had for me um, from the beginning is those fun moments. The, right. uh, the, 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 the upbeat, happy moments in their relationship. I go back and watch clips of that on YouTube every so often of him playing the ukulele or her telling the child molester joke on the bus. Like the, uh, the happy moments in the relationship, it makes me happy. It brings me joy. It elicits emotion. Right. So that's the only, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to sit down and watch this movie from beginning to the end, but I will often go back to get some of those fun Total moments stuff. from this again. Yeah. I think that the replay value for this movie is if you're interested in telling a story of the same caliber mm-hmm. on the same type of story. Yeah. I think that if you're looking for that, then this movie is an amazing reference for you. Oh man. Because I think it's one of the best movies in doing that particular relationship falls apart thing. Me too. Um, so if that's the kind of movie that you're looking to make and you want to learn how to use the close-ups to do it effectively mm-hmm. and like learn good editing to do it, yeah. this movie definitely has like a lot of value for you. Yeah. And um, the, way, the way they sequence the breakup, like you're saying, is so just, good. I haven't seen it done like that before. Um, so definitely for that amazing replay value and rewatch value, yeah. but for like just watching a movie, Nah, nah, you're not gonna nah. just watch this. No, no. Nah, I don't think so. No. But it is it is phenomenally well executed. Oh for yes. everything that it did. Oh yeah. Um. So what would you what would you give it? Um, a seven point five. It's like a seven and a half. I mean, it it hit every mark. It does everything it's supposed to. It doesn't have a super replay value for me, but it is. It just does everything. And I mean, I I enjoyed it. Right. I, I think my rating is a seven mm. as well, and for the same reason. Yeah. Like I don't like the movie. Mm. I don't want to watch it again. Mm. It made me uncomfortable, and the experience was ugh. Mm. But Derek did an amazing job at executing everything oh, yeah. about this movie that he wanted to do. Oh yeah, it's one of those movies that's like, what is the purpose of this movie? Yeah, it did that. Yes, and I I just can't take away from it from doing that. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give it a seven. Yeah, seven, seven. For that same me. reason, I think yes. it's a phenomenal. If this is the kind of movie that you like to watch or like to learn from, yes, fucking phenomenal way to do it. Oh yeah, like you're not if you, if you just want to watch a good movie because it's good, then yeah, this is on Netflix. Right. Yeah. Check it out now. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's my. Oh my god. I I. I the, my favorite thing about Googling a movie now mm. is that it tells you available to watch. Where is it at? And you find out where it's at. Mm. The moment when you say like, when you see that Netflix logo, it's like, ah, oh, fucking divine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. God. It's there. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Anyway, uh, that's all I got to say about this movie. I, I think phenomenal piece of work mm. that I will not watch again unless I have to. I mean, yeah, I'm watching clips. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do yourself, if you haven't watched this at least once, you have to watch this. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, this is Derek Sanfrance. He does great work, and it just gives you more of um what what he does is a body of work. So I mean, check this out. Check out Place Beyond the Ponds and whatever he does next. I gotta yeah, see that too. Absolutely. And uh, cool. All right. And so we're gonna cut, and then we're gonna talk about television and movie premieres. Hey. And welcome back. Television and movie premieres. All right. Television and movie premieres for the week of Tuesday, February the 26th through Monday, March the 4th. Uh, the first thing is Thursday, February 28th. Better Things is coming back to uh, FX at 10 p.m. Oh, you know how long it's been since I've heard the words FX, FX. in relation to a television show? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pamela Alden. Uh, she was on um, Lucky Louie. She was in uh, whatever. Uh, Louie, I guess it was just called Louie. Um, yeah, yeah. The, so it was Lucky Louie, Louie, and one. then Horrors and Pete was like I how his shows go along. I loved Horace and Pete. Yeah. God, nobody's seen that. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, she, she was in both Lucky Louie and Louie. Uh, she's amazing. And uh, this right here is her second or third season of uh, Better Things. But a uh, third season. It's the third season of Better Things. It's going to be on FX 10 p.m. this Thursday, February 28th. Sweet. So we we'll definitely support her. She's, she's freaking awesome. Uh, next thing is Sunday, March the 3rd. Whoo. This is the thing about the um, the the yin and the yang, the mm. this and also that. It's like it's it, because people want things to be so black and white that they don't understand that it's this both things. It is both, and and it is it's, people don't want that to to taint something that they love so much. Right. You know, there's like there was I was talking to my girlfriend about a memory that I had with my mother, and like and me and my mom don't, don't super get along together that well. But there's one memory that I had when I was young, and it was just like a pure moment. Right. And then as adults now I was talking to my girlfriend as an adult and then she made me see that exact same moment in a different way right. and it tainted my memory the, the happy memory but I realized that also that thing that she said can also be true yeah, yeah, it's yeah. this and that they're both they're they both happen both things it's this yeah. and that and um, it's, it's I, what, I, what I brought it up was the, the R. Kelly thing from, from uh, months and finally got arrested yeah, he is finally. in the jail and it's just like that people don't want to recognize it I think it's going to be even more so with this thing that I'm about to announce now mm-hmm. that um that there's still a lot of people that were holding off you know because they loved how much r kelly made made them feel how great the r kelly music was they loved all that i'm like okay yes you have that that like that moment that i had with my mother that that's mm-hmm. like you have that great moment and that you want to keep pure and good but also he is a pedophile yep. he is a terrible human being like this yes you feel great you love the music that he made also yeah. that both of these things but he also raped yes. kids. It's this and that. These yeah. bo- both of these things exist. And this right here, Sunday, March the eighth, is Leaving ne- Neverland. It's a, a documentary that's going to be on HBO. Oh yeah. And it's going in about the truths about Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yep. And this is something I've been saying for the longest, longest. Michael Jackson is my favorite artist of all time. I love so much Michael Jackson stuff. I have plenty of memorabilia and magazines that I've been saving, and like I know all the words of all of his songs. But when these this thing was happening, even back then as a kid. And I'm looking at him um, paying off all these people. Uh, what, what is it called? Uh, these settlements. Yeah. You know that he's just paying millions and millions in settlements. And it's there. A lot of the black community didn't want to acknowledge that at all because it's just another black figure being torn down. And then it just it it hurts that that purity and that love that they have. They can't have the this Michael Jackson is amazing, one mm-hmm. of the biggest pop stars ever, and made you feel good. And also Michael Jackson is a terrible human being that should have been jailed and was a pedophile. Right. You know those they. 
don't want those two things to exist together. And I'm wondering what kind of reception this is going to be. And if people, especially in the black community, are going to turn a blind eye to this information just so they can keep that purity of Michael Jackson in their hearts. There, I also think that there's there's a racial element that becomes when like the figure that you're talking about is in the black community. Yeah. Um, because it, ha- it also happens in the Hispanic community as well, where they're willing to overlook a lot of shit mm-hmm. because he was such a significant figure in the for community. that specific community. Yeah. Like whatever, whether because he's a representation of that community mm-hmm. or because he helped the community in some way yeah. or yada, yada, yada. That tends to happen a lot. Yep. And these documentaries tend to like these type of documentary tend to make a really big impact mm-hmm. in those communities because it's going to be a lot of Twitter going like, wow, that documentary was bullshit. Mm. And a lot of people on Twitter going like, wow, this is the first time that everybody heard about this because it's been on the news for fucking 25 years. Yeah, And there's going to be a lot of those same reactions happening on Twitter and on the internet itself. And it's going to create a massive, like, it's one of those documentaries that are like, like controversial magnets. Yeah, Like no matter what you do, no matter what angle you take in that documentary, there will be controversy thrown your way. Yeah. And it'll be a huge impact in the history of that person. Yeah. Um, it kind of like I, I kind of I like those types of documentaries because they showcase the shit that people have done. Yes. And they, it puts them in the public eye yep. for those things. Yeah. But I also hate that there's someone capitalizing and making off money of off of that human suffering that yeah. did happen. Yep. Which is why I haven't watched the R. Kelly documentary yeah. or like why I tend to stay away from these kind of things. Mm. I just don't want to like, if I do watch them, I pirate them because I don't want to, I don't want to share the profit. Of yeah. Them. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but this is one of those things that it's going to fucking ripple throughout yeah. like every community because Michael Jackson was, was so huge. influential that yeah. he affected every single community that there was. He I definitely think. did. He definitely did. And uh, yeah, I just I, I don't I hope that this has the impact that it should. And um, yeah, that, like I said, it, it's tough for people. But a lot of people don't want to accept that, but we'll see. That's coming out on Sunday, March the third, on HBO, Leaving Neverland on fun, HBO APM. Fun fact: There's a Broadway play about Michael Jackson that's scheduled to come out soon after this documentary comes out, hmm. which is not going to be great for them. No, <laughs> no, no. Just, just saying. No, that uh, that Broadway play is going to die. Oh yeah, it's gonna go yeah. down. Yeah, that's is just so upsetting. Yeah. Like, like uh, mm. yeah, fuck a Michael Jackson man. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh. All right, the next thing is a uh, Medea, a family funeral. There was no more in television. This is the last. Is Medea finally dead? Oh no, Medea never. Medea God never damn die. it! Medea. When are we gonna get rid of her? Can't. We we got it. We got it. We can't. We got it. Because Tyler Perry is like funding everything he does. Like, That's right. He's in control of all of his stuff. It's not like a studio's funding it. No, Tyler he, Perry's it's, just, own, it's Tyler Perry Studios. He vomits money and then swallows more money that than guy, he vomits. Yes. God damn it. It's never gonna go away. Like the only thing that we can hope is that like somebody replaces him like within his own company. But like he's forever, man. I the I the only way I see Medea specifically Medea. Mm going away is that if Tyler Perry like loses a leg mm. and can or like does something yeah. that makes him physically incapable of acting. Yeah, yeah. That is the only way that I think we're going to get rid of Medea. We just might get like some CGI Medea or we yeah. might just get into animated Medea films <laughs> at that point. Because <laughs> it's just such a cash cow. Like people God, keep watching them, man. So, I don't get it. I don't get it. 
I, I, I wish that I didn't get it, but I do, and yeah. it's sad for me because, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm a part of the community, and it's right. just like the a lot of black people like it, like yeah. they because they relate to like the hyperbole of it. Because I mean, we do behave like this a bit when we're with each other, but this is like the most extreme version, like the most right. exaggerated version of black people, and I don't like to watch it myself. It's just it feels like cleaning. I would, th- yeah, I would yeah. think that the black community would just be like all these like fucking white people laughing at like black people being black yeah (laughs) it's just kind of what it feels like at some point you you know it's like before like uh, about 20 30 years ago it was like there's not but so much black uh, representation on television Mm -hmm. or in movies so it's like you kind of just have to take what you can take what you can kind of get now but there's everything now to where you don't have to like maybe this is just your cup of tea i guess and this is where you you grew up in you've been there your entire life Mm -hmm. this is what everybody around you is like and you like the real housewives of atlanta and you like you know Medea movies and you know that's that's fine for you because they're going to keep putting them out you know but for my money you're not going to get it it just feels like comedic blackface that really that's what it is yeah it's, it's it's not Spike Lee has a big problem with it. Yeah. I'm, I, I I don't like it. I can't say but so much about it just because like you're yeah. not hurting nobody. I mean you're making it on your own and people yeah, like shout it. Shout out so. to Tyler Perry. Yeah, 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 but it's not for me. You know, right? Whatever. So what the fuck is this? Maria's family. Maria family funeral is a comedy. A joyous family reunion becomes a hilarious nightmare as Maria and the crew travel to Backwoods, Georgia, where they find themselves unexpectedly planning a funeral that might unveil an unsavory family secret. This is it. Maria has finally tried to make funerals funny. No, they did. Um, <laughs> some, uh, who did that? Chris Tucker, not Chris. Uh, Chris Rock did that. Um, Death at a funeral no, with um. Oh, it's every other black person that's not a Maria's in mm. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, actually. <laughs> Sorry, that just got me. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's like, who, who is, I, mean, I can, hold on. It really, really is. All right, here we go. Uh, Chris Rock, Martin Lawrence, Zoe Saldana, Tracy Morgan, Danny Glover, Regina Hall, what, Chris really Rock. Um, yeah, it's like every black person that's not. You even got this motherfucker, Robert Lee Miller? Minor, yeah. Yeah, yeah minor. Yeah, I, like, yeah, <laughs> everybody is in the death of the funeral. So, yeah, Chris Rock tried to make the funeral thing funny too, but yeah, it, it wasn't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. I, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's uh, Madea's Family Reunion. It's written and directed by Tyler Perry. It stars Tyler Perry and Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson? My, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. <laughs> and that's it. Fuck, how did, how did that happen? How did that. The how Mike did, Tyson thing? Yeah, how did oh. Mike Tyson become a movie star? You know, this, all right, so um, he was trying to make a comeback and he wanted to do a public speaking, mm-hmm. but it was supposed to be like motivational speaking. And he had this whole crew set up to film it and everything. And they were going to make a small movie about it. And he was going to go to a bunch of different cities and then edit it all together. Right. And when he went it's to It's going to be like the Chris Rock tour where like they just like caught him speaking. Yes, different exactly yeah. like that. But this is not comedy, though. This is right. just because Mike Tyson is a serious boxer who bit people's ears off and talks about yeah. getting your babies. Yeah. You know, like that's the perception that he had. Had the tattoo. There's nothing funny about Mike Tyson. Right. You know, back when they was doing this and he went on stage and he was like being very serious about it and the audience thought it was a comedy like they were laughing at him Jesus. and Mike Tyson left out and was talking to the producers and the writers was like I'm not about to be sitting out here getting embarrassed and people laughing at me and like the way that I'm talking yada yada and they just flipped it they was like oh well let's make it a comedy yeah. and then from there then he just got so much work he got that um, Adult Swim cartoon a Mike Tyson mystery show yeah. like he just got so much after that he got the, well the first the first thing I recognized him it was a hangover mm-hmm. yeah and it's just like, where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> yeah, man. You bit someone's ears off. Mm-hmm. Like, do, yeah. don't you think that in the in the entertainment industry, people would just be like, you know what? You might want to be careful with that with that guy. Yeah. He, he bit an ear off. Yep. 
It, it just baffles me that, like, Mike Tyson's the one that walked out of it. Yeah. Like, what happened to the guy that got his ear bitten off? Oh, Evander Holyfield. Uh, he's yeah. super, super rich. I guess fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I guess when someone bites your ear off. Yeah. I mean, he was a good boxer. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, he, yeah he's, he's rich. Fucking hell. Yeah. Culture amazes me. Yeah. Anyway. Um... I guess that's it. Is that it? Is that everything? Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. We finished with fucking Mitty. <laughs> Mike Tyson, whatever the fuck it was. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and do the rundown. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. You can find us on iTunes podcast app, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. What? <laughs> Yeah, we on SoundCloud. <laughs> Say what's up. Yeah, fur, 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 fur. yeah. Stream us on SoundCloud. I mean, on uh, Spotify. Spotify. Sing along. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> Check us out. We're at Spotify now for your listening pleasure. Yes. My personal Twitter handle is at Brian Archita. I'm at THA underscore V O N Z. Hey. And remember, we're on Spotify. <laughs> yes, we're on Spotify. <laughs> Click that. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you all next week. Click.